In association with the Omniverse Comics Guide, this is the Cave of Solitude, your pop culture and comic book podcast coming to you from all over the world. I'm your host, Eric Anthony, and this is episode 307. Back hello. again. <laughs> How's it going, pal? That's, is that my catchphrase? Just hello. That's it. That's it. It's perfect. They know it's, it's exciting, you. Is it? No one can copy it or say it the way you do. <laughs> Just everyone in England. That's <laughs> probably, or at least the south. Hello. <laughs> what's uh, what's new and exciting over there for you? What have you uh, What have you been up to? What have you been reading? What have you been enjoying? Dude. Oh man, what have I been? I've been. Um, uh, to prep for the incoming <laughs> teaser that we've been talking about with the Omniverse stuff, I've been reading a lot of DC stuff lately. So um, I want to get some some good crossover DC shiz on there and some nice reading orders. So a um, little bit of a little bit of old school, a little bit of obscure, also some No Man's Land. Um, but I've really, really I've, I'll. It's not really a spoiler. Who's not going, hey, what's your first one going to be? I'm sure the thing is, for somebody, someone will go, how can you have started with that one? Because I was going to start with this really obscure Superman one that's really lengthy that isn't recorded anywhere. Which one's that? Because that's what I love. It's, um, I think it's called King of the World. Oh, right. Stuart Eminem. So it's kind of triangle time. That's funny. Are you like me where I really appreciate like wow they chose to talk about that book that is good but it's obscure and i'm so thankful that it exists like i i want to yeah. kind of do that i like when we kind of do that stuff well that's what i like about the, the when, when we do the top 10 stuff or like whenever yeah. i look at a top 10 yeah. where you go what are the 10 best books of this year and you go on various websites and it's the same goddamn 10 Books, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and some of them I'm going. I'll never read that. It's by this person that I just don't get on with, or <laughs> or it's you know, yeah. Um, it's not the kind of topic I'm into, so it's already narrowed it down to probably four that I might choose from, and four's not very much because I want more than four books. So, give me like a lengthy list. Um, CDR used to do this top 100, I and they don't always do it, but yeah, yeah I love that. Um, that's great. That's really handy for just going through and picking out some good stuff. That's what I, but, I I spent a lot of money because of those lists. Mm, they likewise. had like the, the top seventy five or the top fifty because there was a movie or an anniversary. They need mm-hmm. to update it because now when I click on, I still go on it. I keep it open on my phone tab to like refer yeah. to it to see what I don't own yet or you know what was the synopsis of, of that story. I don't know why I trusted that CBR list as though it was the most trustworthy of lists. Maybe because it was voted on by a lot of people. Yeah, I think it's because there's a lot of people. That's the thinking I had behind it. Yeah. So when you see like, wow, that, that story made that list for a reason, which yeah, like maybe I'll like it, you know? So I refer to that list a lot for Captain America. They had um, X-Men story. And I was like, I got to try to read the top 10 each of these categories yeah. to be as well-rounded as possible, you know? I love those I think lists. at that, that point in time, I normally had read the top 10 if it was Marvel or DC, but I was, I'd was i normally use it to look out for really good indie books. That's oh. how I found, like, Revival. Oh, okay, okay. Because I go, like, okay, what what have I missed? What Because it's easy to keep an eye on the, the big two. 
Yeah, yeah. Do they still make Relatively. the top 100 list, CBR? They, um, they took at least a year off. Okay. I think they did it last year. I think okay. it was last year. But I think it was the first time they'd done it in a while. And there was an interesting... Yeah, because Nightwing was number one. Mm. Tom, oh. Taylor, Tom Taylor's Nightwing. Was it good? Um, funny enough, I haven't actually read it yet. And I haven't got it yet. I think I was kind of thinking, it sounds like the kind of thing they'd omnibus up but dc seemed to have given up a bit on the omnibus front they just seem to be repeating ones they've already reprinted or doing batman solo yeah, yeah. With the odd exception it, it's and a lot of the stuff seems to be cancelled like american uh, vampire volume two was supposed to be coming out in the next couple of weeks and um it's disappeared off everything so i don't know if it's been cancelled or what i don't know if you you probably know this I was not completely, um, not, I guess, uh, not completely aware, but I knew that there was a lot of backup because of um, the pandemic and things being rescheduled and pushed back and canceled. But there's a paper shortage here. Yeah, I think that's why the prices have gone up. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Because I'm, I'm, you know, the old man on his way. Why are the prices going up on these books? <laughs> it's, I remember when these were fifty p. Yeah. And it, and there's points where it's like, do they think we're silly to not realize that the new the, the fifty two omnibus is two hundred and twenty seven dollars, and it's like every other th- book that is that size or with that many issues goes for one ninety five. Like, we're, we've gotten used to seeing those sized books for one. Now you're you've jumped it up another thirty plus dollars. That's that's a hike. It is. And, and, and I don't seem to have talked about it. No. <laughs> and, and I, you know, we were talking about it yesterday when I was at the baseball game with Adam Chapman. Shout out to Adam Chapman. Um, that, yeah, there's a lot of books that keep getting rejigged and pushed back and, you know, canceled. It's like, that sucks. Mm. That really does stink for the fans. A lot of it seems to be DC, um, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, they seem to push things back a lot. They, they announce things like the, um, Tom Strong compendium, the top 10 compendium, and they got cancelled. But they've been relisted for next year. Okay. Um, but they, they do stuff like uh, the Sandman Mystery Theatre, the other Vertigo series. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, Sandman Mystery Theatre. So it's the it was the James Robinson series, I think, Guy Davis art. But it was really, really acclaimed at the time. And everyone's going, you need to be really good. It felt like an indie book. It had that kind of scratchy art, you know, that indie titles are seemingly had at the time all of them <laughs> your indie books got really nice art you need to just scrap it and just scribble it in make it look shitty if you can <laughs> yeah. so but yeah it tended to be kind of rougher but it's they're like really good but no it was matt wagner it's not um james robinson's matt wagner i think he did uh grendel and mage and stuff but yeah that's been announced for next year but it's volume one and there's always this part of you with dc where you're going volume one it's coming out next year and it got well, cancelled, right? Be volume two. <laughs> and the, the Grendel got cancelled, right? Um, the the series, the Netflix series. Oh, got canceled, the Netflix yeah. series. That's right. That's right. I wonder. I why think Dark could... Horse is still doing that because they re-released the um, the paperback omnis for Grendel. Oh, okay. Dark yeah. Horse has so there's there's two out, and I think there's two more to come. I think if I were to, with all the amount of um, praise that you've given them, and if and and with what I've read. I, if I had to go back and start collecting, I would probably be all in for Dark Horse. Mm. And they're a good place to go. 
yeah, I'm starting to realize the true diversity of their of their line, even with some um, other IPs that it's like, oh, they they have that, huh? Like that's kind of cool. Okay, and to yeah. see what came out under the under the banner of Dark Horse amongst like when I think it. They did Star Wars, they did Conan, and then they did a lot of creator things. Predator. Yeah. And and they had good creative teams on it. Like, the, I think The Mask yes. came from Dark Horse, and you said um, Grendel. But then, pardon me, the modern stuff that they've got coming out from there and the quality of the of the books that you get, it's it's a good mm. value for your for your money. Like it's, You get this good stuff. Like, it's, yeah. I mean... That's the thing. What do you mean, like in terms of like, the quality of the actual, the the physical book itself? Everything, like the story, the presentation, and the physical book. Like you're, if you, uh, I think of like the Black Hammer stuff. The trades yeah. are nice. The deluxes are nice. Um, you got the Lady Killer. Yeah, that was that was cool. Beautiful books, you know. Just like the, did you get the Umbrella Academy? No, I, I didn't really. I, I flipped through it. I didn't really care for the art that much. I think I'd liked it. I think I liked it the first time a lot more than I thought. I that I remember it's like I rated it ridiculously highly, and then I read it again recently. And went, yeah, yeah, it's okay. But um, like they released this like shocking pink one of the I can't remember his name, but one of the characters from it. It's like a solo book. Um, you look like death, and then it's got this like ridiculously shocking pink ribbon in there and you're kind of going god that's like they've really thought about this and the, the pages are so thick and all that if you feel like you're getting your money's worth yeah yeah i'm i'm starting to uh feel that more and more with with dark horse as far as what they, they physically give you but also the quality of the product that comes from there is pretty trustworthy yeah the um the moon shadow from Jam DeMatteis. I know I talk about him and Kurt Busiek all the time, but it was a book that I, I wanted to read just because he had written it and I wanted to prepare, prepare for a podcast. And so I bought it, not really caring who put it out, if it was Image, if it was Dark Horse, I didn't care. But I'm like, mm. this is a nice, it's really nice that they've put this together as nicely as they have. It's very complete. You get a, it's a nice experience reading it. And I find every time I read a Dark Horse book, it's a nice experience. Yeah, it's hard to explain. I think I know people go to digital these days, but like if you are buying a physical books still, they do do a really nice job of them. And I think like when they put a nice chunk of stories together as well, because they do um, America, um, what's it called? Resident Alien, which is on TV on sci fi, but the sci fi TV series is nothing like the comic. It's basically in name and in base concept only, it's, it's kind of a comedy. Mm. um on tv but it's a really subtle um crime series uh, in, in the comics but they did that as an omnibus and it's not like a big chunky marvel or dc omnibus of like 1500 pages with a big yeah. hardcover yeah yeah it's, it's a big trade paperback but it yeah. feels nice and you know they've done a really they've done a great job of it, it smells good all that kind of stuff yeah <laughs> yeah no i you get know? it no i get it it's true I, I I think a lot more, like I was saying this when I was speaking with Adam, he had brought up that he goes, you know, when you talk about new comics today, it sounds like you're sad, like you just can't enjoy stuff. And I feel, you know, it makes me sad that you feel that way. I'm like, no, I enjoy plenty of new comics, just not for Marvel and DC. Yeah. Like yeah. I like 
I like things from Image. I like things from Dark Horse. I like things that my friends are making. And, you know, these are new things, new ideas. I'm excited about them. It's just I don't like the movies informing the original product now. Whereas before it was, this is where it comes from. And now you can adapt it however you want, but don't you don't you don't get to tell us how to do it. Now you can see like, oh, that character was made because they're gonna put that in a movie. Yeah, that's like, I find that a real struggle, and like bringing people back from the dead and all that kind of stuff because it's the the feel of an ongoing story. I think it's kind of been a bit lost, and a lot of it's very referential, like Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths. So I'm immediately going. No, thank you. <laughs> Haven't we been there kind of several times? It's just, no. Yeah. So I'd rather dip into World of Black Hammer. I mean, like Black Hammer and World of Black Hammer and that kind of stuff. And um, I was reading Lobster Johnson recently. And even though, like, it wasn't the greatest book I've ever It wasn't as good as I kind of wanted it to be. Right. But it was still really good. And I prefer reading that and learning about that World of Hellboy stuff. Yeah. As opposed to re- trying to reinvent another it. rehash of yeah. Spider Man doing whatever he's oh, he's lost out all he's lost all his cash again and he's a down and out and oh, come on yeah it's like if I'm <laughs> going to read this story I'll just go to the more like the first couple times it happened where it was yeah. done like this has been done or when it was that good middle period but they've learned a lot there's a lot of history you can pick from yeah yeah exactly you know? that's what I mean it's like he he there's a good way to pull from history and I think at the moment they're, they're on a history news. That's the thing. Is like Stanley dealt with him up to college, sort of thing, and then yeah. a couple of other writers had him while he was in college, and then became, you know, more of an adult. Like there's only a couple people who got to be with that character during that time, and then they yeah. passed the baton, and then it, you know, it gets to a point where now, now we're in that soap opera timeline where we gotta slow everything down in order to be here for a while and Peter and Mary have been have been married for 10 years but it's only been two years ago that they've been married like it's weird you know yeah it's really hard to keep track it's it's a very so you start over and I get that I get the whole thing of like let's just reset those stories are done let's go again let's try to and it's it's never going to be the same I don't think I think people keep pointing at DC and saying rebirth didn't a new fifty two didn't work, but it worked for Crisis. Even though I think Crisis was even more messy than New Fifty Two. Yeah. You know, post Crisis, if you because I'm actually where I've gone back and read some of those books this week, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at a reading order for that for the whole universe. I'm reading Green Lantern, and they're referring to people they lost in the Crisis. There's earlier issues of Booster Gold who appears in Legends, I think, but he then joins the JLI. But his series launched during Crisis. I of Infinite Earths, I think. Yeah. And even when it finished and Superman wanders off into whatever it is, you know, he's, he's, his story's over essentially. His, they were still producing comics for Superman and Superman is in um, Booster Gold. Earth One Superman is in Booster Gold. And it's like, this is, why didn't you just start with a new number one for everything? You know, it's really weird if you because you look back on it because like, people weren't really buying every title necessarily. Very few people probably were in nineteen eighty six, eighty seven. Right. Um, and there's just tons and tons of stuff that is like the New Teen Titans basically maintained its continuity. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing with DC, right? It's like I, I was saying this. The problem with the New Fifty Two, looking back, and this sounds like 
what the hell are you talking about? But hear me out. And I think the problem with, with DC, in my opinion, is Batman. Yeah. Batman's the biggest problem because you look at the New 52 and the Batman book, The Court of Owls, sucked all the air out of the room for anything else that was worth checking out. And, and don't get me wrong, those other books have gotten their praise. They've been printed in omnibus form. Like, they're not shying away from saying, look at how good, New 52. They've made an omnibus for every series, it seems. But oh, nice. It, and some of, some of it deservedly so, like Animal Man, Aquaman, uh, Wonder Woman. There's good stuff. The Batman and Robin omnibus, very worthy to have that stuff out there. Um, sorry, I was on a tangent. But, like... It, it sucked the air out of the room where it's all about Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo's run. Because it's the top seller. It's something new. Cool. Capullo's art's great. Like, it was just every... It was always about that. And every miniseries had to be about that. And, that, and every Bat book had to be ruined because it had to deal with their, their shit. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing as well. Like, when you look at those top tens... It's that is always in there. I do think there are way better Batman stories. I'm still finding them, and I think those those top ten lists. If it's constantly referring to the to the Snyder Capullo run of Batman, and not going, yeah, but yeah, but do you know what? Here's some that you haven't found yet. Here, go pick up New Gotham. Go pick up whatever. There's, I mean, I've yet to read. I don't. It could be crap. Bruce Wayne murderer and Bruce Wayne. Fugitive, but I'm really looking forward to that stuff. It's good. It's good. Because like, I've never read it. And that's when it's still, I think the way they used their history was really good at that point. Yeah. They weren't playing into like, I'm Batman. Because like, that's all he seems to be now. I'm Batman. Like, okay. He no. is supposed to be a little bit more than that. No, I'm Batman. Like, oh, come on. Yeah. I can do anything. It doesn't. <laughs> it, really... it, it got out of hand. The, the Batman has always been a fan favorite, deservedly so. He's a cool character, cool villains, cool world. He's daredevil, but he could also hang with Superman. Like, it's it's a neat character. It works, and we all, some way or another, relate to it. I don't know why. Or aspire but, to it. Or what? Or aspire to it. Or aspire to it. Yeah, that's a very good point. But I had a point, and now I completely forgot it. He's a great character, but it's like the one thing that's so precious that they leave untouched. It, again, with the New 52, that was the one history that had to be acknowledged. Like, you don't mean it then. No, and, they should have They should have let it go or finished it first and then done it. Yeah, just finish and, it. And Green Lantern, but yeah. And, and with, with the Grant Morrison, that's what I was going to say, the Grant Morrison run took it to a next level. The, like the Batman lore and mythology and the symbolism and how... like. Basically, in DC, the universe, the multiverse, everything is about Bruce Wayne. Yes, yeah. It all revolves around Bruce Wayne. It's too much. All of it is just, he is the crux of creation in DC. And it's like, no, he's not. He's not. <laughs> he's ultimately just some bloke. And it's funny, though, because I was reading Legends, um, and it's a really odd story. I can't. So I do. It's it's funny because like it's the first DC crossover after Crisis. Yeah, and it's kind of a weird misstep, really, in a lot of ways because it's 
it's it's sort of sweet. I find it really endearing. It's basically Dark Side says, you know what we need to do is all the humans are inspired too much by the heroes. So let's take down the heroes. And you go, but didn't we just restart the universe so they're all new? Yeah, let's just pretend that's not a thing. So it's it's already a bit confused at the beginning. Yeah. And then they're kind of basically trying to ruin everybody. But like there's one, but there's sudden, it's very, very quick. All the people just go, yeah, they're all wankers. Let's get them. <laughs> and then they attack um, Batman and Robin in a mall. So he stops some gunmen. And then people are going, you suck, Batman, because the police told you what to do. And you said, no. Like, he's just beaten some gunmen in a mall. Um, I mean, Norman Osborn shot a scroll in the, in the face in the park. <laughs> I mean, everyone went, yay! Like, come on, surely they'd be going, oh, cheers, Batman, we're not dead. But no, so they, they basically just mob him. They grab Robin, kick the shit out of him. So he's, like, just bleeding and stuff on the floor. Batman abandons him, essentially, because someone throws perfume in his face and he can't see. And Commissioner Gordon, who I, I, I've read it before, but I can't 100% remember if that is actually Commissioner Gordon or someone pretending to be him, um, but takes him away. And Batman's like, yeah, I can't see. I'll come with you, Jim. Let's just get out of here. Like, dude, Robin's basically <laughs> having his teeth knocked in. Like, nip back, pull him out. <laughs> I like Legends too. I don't know. It's, it, you, it's like you said, it's got that little sweetness to it. Yeah. It's, it, that... it's kind of, it knows it's a bit silly. It just kind of carries on and does it anyway. It's, I was quite sweet. The tie-ins are mostly terrible, you know, but it's, it's aware of itself as a story. It's probably better to read as a story than a crossover from what I've reread so far. Yeah. I read it way later. So I went into it understanding like this was the first crossover this was john ostrander getting an opportunity to like set something up and it's john byrne drawing all of dc like for yeah. the first time like that's really cool there's some really nice shots in there yeah Splash yeah he pages. does a great job actually it's yeah. funny because like, he was doing superman as well at the same time yeah like, how is he finding the time i don't know does he sleep I don't, I, I can't, ex- when, because you hear a lot of artists, like Steve Mitchell would, would say, you know, I, this was the pace, if you had a good day, and these guys are professionals, they know what it, what it is, but when you look at, he was doing Superman, action comics, yeah, and I think he had to start writing adventures, yeah, I think he was writing it, but not drawing it, not drawing right? it, it was, was, uh, he, was Jerry he Ordway, it with- Jerry Ordway, that's right. And and he was the writer on three Superman books. And then he was doing these miniseries here and there. And drawing two of them. I don't get it. I'm like, how did how did you draw that much? And for a lot of fans, I, I, I can't speak for everybody, but for a lot of fans, it's like, yeah, it's, it's John Byrne. That shit's wicked. Yeah. Right? Well, that's our comic. That's how we expect comics to look at that age. You know, you based everything off of that look. Yeah, that's Superman's face. Yeah, yeah, for me completely. In my head, that's that's the, that's my visual library of Superman. It kind of starts from there. My Someone gave me some of those comics when I was a, a teenager, mm. that Legends era stuff, and I did look at them. Some of them, DC just seemed very out of date. Um, and because it, it was kind of, it was a little bit cheesier. But like you can you compare Legends to Mutant Massacre, which was coming out roughly the same time. Yeah. You're kind of like, oh my god! Yeah. Like Marvel was so dark because, like, Mutant Massacre is so dark. When you when you read it now as an adult, you go because as a kid you kind of go, okay, oh that's kind of cool. 
oh, okay. But as an adult, you're going, so there's a point in the story where four kids who have powers they they got from aliens end up going, wandering down to the sewers to look for their friends and there's a load of corpses down there. And then they find their friend, but their kind of mother figure has been murdered. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> and this is the thing. This is the thing when you would, like I read those X-Men books way later, like as an adult, getting back into comics and, and good, you know, diving into Marvel. And you realize like, this doesn't have like a resolution or a happy ending. This just no. happened. And they just got to deal with it. Yeah. And when you read the next series, I think, which was Fall of the Mutants, which is the next big series. And then after that, it was Inferno. Uh, That's right. Yeah. And you realize that, yeah, this is really a soap opera. Like they're just, they're not always saving the day. They're getting out of the skin of their teeth and they're having to save like each other. Yeah. And they're fighting each other. Like this is a different type of book. And you're not going to pick up a series and be like, well, save the day. All right, let's go. They, sometimes they go play baseball. <laughs> There's always those <laughs> issues. But, you know, it was it was definitely this this thing where it's like, this is unresolved. i got to read more. It really yeah, worked. It, it was a permanent ongoing crisis. Yeah. For one of the better words. <laughs> yeah. Or if it's more of a dirty free <laughs> Yeah. It's, yeah, it basically was. It was, it was nonstop. I mean, X-Men was pretty dour. What? But like you didn't, I I loved it, and like I, my first issue was the issue right. It was two issues after Inferno, my first like American issue instead of a reprint. So it was just the full male X Men going into the town in Australia and having a piss up. Um, and then and then it was a it was a parody of Invasion, the Invasion DC crossover. Oh, okay, yeah. and it was drawn by Rob Liefeld. It was such a random issue. <laughs> And like you look at it now and you go, this is kind of crap <laughs> in a lot of ways. It makes very little sense, but I loved it. Yeah. Because it was just so random. I didn't get the reference to Invasion. I did. It had like, they decided to, to drop a gene bomb on Earth, but their gene bomb was basically Gene Grey clones. So it's J-E-A-N bomb. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just lots of naked Jean Greys and they were going to use them, drop them into humanity because everyone always fancies Jean Grey and mess with them that way. And I didn't know who Jean Grey was. Right, right, right. So, and I didn't know, I didn't get long shots, powers and there's all this stuff and you're going, okay. There's so it's, much. It's kind of mid story. It's just straight after Inferno where all sorts of crazy shits happened. Yeah, yeah. And there's so many, as the team expands and, and, get smaller and moves and this person's disappeared and you know you get x factor happening at the same time like there's a lot to be invested in and to keep up with and there's what excited me about going back and reading x-men was one time i i think i did like a youtube video like the history of cable and the guy was explaining it with you know associated comic book panels and covers and moments and but yeah. it was like this travel through time and you realize like they're doing all this thing with this character, but then it goes all the way back to Inferno. And like, you're like, oh, I got to read all of this. And I wasn't <laughs> reading it in order so much, but I was, yeah. I was dipping my toe in some of the stuff that came out after Jim Lee. And then I would go back and read the stuff from Australia and I was piecing it together in this very strange way. I don't know why I read it like that. I guess that's it was kind of a, what you do. It that's was. What you do as, as a comic, especially like with no trades. Yeah. Not really at the time. 
Yeah, yeah. But I, I but see, I had the trades. This was like maybe a couple years ago I did this. Oh, I see. So I had like, I'm going to read The Fall of the Mutants now. Like, that's an X-Men moment. I'm going to read The Fall of the Mutants. And then I would see um, Executioner's Song, which is like a storyline. Like, I'm oh, wow. going to read The Executioner's Song. That's a big jump. Big jump. So I'm... I'm closing it, piecing it all together and filling in the things and I'm getting it. I was still able to be like, oh, I get it. And I, and I still appreciated the moments in the books before, even if I knew like, oh yeah, oh, this is when it happens. Oh, this is cool. This is the first time we see Gambit. Like, this is the issue. Yeah. I still would kind of transfer myself like, okay, read this as somebody who's never read Gambit before. That's what I do. I do that thing like, like just pretend you've never done, like you know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and put your, and try to, I don't know if that's being empathetic with it or sympathetic with it, but like imagine yourself being a person back then reading this for the first time. It would prob- yeah. You would probably be like, Man, I don't like that you're doing that to my character. I'd pro- you'd probably think like that, <laughs> you know? enjoy so try to try to enjoy that sort of moment that you know no more mutants i never read it i never flipped the page and saw that panel in sequence i've always seen it in a flashback or i've always seen it in a youtube video or something like that yeah uh, instagram it's, been to a lot. It's, it's kind of been spoiled to hell so you know it's coming you know it's but when it happens like oh that's that's it it happened this is when she did it I didn't know, you know, you still don't know necessarily when it's going to happen or that yeah. dialogue that leads to it. So if you if you just allow yourself to escape, it's still fun. That's a funny thing. It's, I think it's it's where I know that I've probably been guilty of it now, saying like it must be really hard for new readers to know where to start. But we did the same thing. Yeah. We did do the same thing. It's funny though because I saw a thing on Facebook the other day. I go on Facebook, and every time I'm on here at the moment, I mention Facebook. Um, but someone was saying, um, "Does anyone have? Has anyone really struggled to get their kids into comics?" Um, and it seems like a lot of the people that commented, at least from the, the scan that I did of this of the answers, was that people were going, "Yeah, you know, I tried to get them into into comics, you know, and I I got them to read Crisis on Infinite Earths and Watchmen." Um, you know, my eight-year-old, but um, <laughs> things they're just reading like manga and My Little Pony, or you know, it's what well, they're still reading comics. What you're doing is you're trying to make them read your comics. Yeah, yeah. Like, don't do that. I found out they do Minecraft. Oh, hey, it's Dark Horse again. Woo! Dark Horse do um, Minecraft comics, and my daughter literally lives for Minecraft. Uh, so the stories are basically set with a bunch of kids who go online and play Minecraft, but one of them moved away. So he meets his friend online so he doesn't get to see them anymore. So they still look like people. They don't look like the blocky head Minecraft people, but it's still set in the Minecraft world. And it's aimed at young readers. That's cool. That's really nice. She's loving it. So I've got her reading comics because I've given her comics that she wants to read. I've not gone, you really need to read Born, Born Again, seven-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's true, right? I understand the turmoil that that Murdoch is going through in this story. (laughs) His prostitute ex-girlfriend sold out her secret identity for heroin. She's going, (laughs) can I play Minecraft? (laughs) For heroin. (laughs) You get it, little girl? Don't you understand? So funny. Man. I, I, I think it's hard not to, though, right? Like, you're a parent. I'm not, but... I think people oftentimes it's like 
What makes you like what you liked is that you struggled, is that you earned it. And, and you think to yourself, or maybe I'm just imagining this, but it's like, if I had the, you know, the shows today or the cartoons today, like, I would want my kid to get this because I didn't get that. And if I could have had that, it would have been great. So we're trying to like recreate their history to the one you wanted. Yeah, it's, and, it's a very easy trap to fall into. Yeah, it's like you wanted that life and you're trying to give it to this kid. And when they don't accept you, like, you unappreciative little bastard. <laughs> You know, that's the thing. I did try and get um, my eldest to watch the GI Joe, um, the movie, the animated one. Oh, the animated one! And um, God, it was terrible. And I, I loved it as a kid, but I was watching it with her, going, "No, no, this is terrible." And she was actually going to me, "Daddy," we were like, "Yeah, can we not watch this anymore?" <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> that's fine. And now they just watch like they watch the Transformers cartoon, but it's a Robots in Disguise one, which a lot of Transformers fans hate the old school Transformers fans hate it because it was kind of post Prime and Prime was really popular. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never watched Prime. I don't care that that series got my kids into Transformers. Yeah, and that's brilliant. And I like the writing in it. I like that it's funny. I like that the Decepticons are kind of mostly based on animals. Um, it's not my Transformers, but it's theirs. And right. actually, it's been something we can do together. So that's kind of that's what how it should be if you do find that thing that you can you can do together or you know share with share with your kids or whoever yeah trying to force things on it's like with anything i think i mentioned before like i tried to get everyone to read preacher and then until i lent it to somebody who just loves disney and i nearly broke her soul i think you know it's not don't force it on an audience that isn't ready for it yeah yeah it's true and you realize like even for myself i like to feel like i discovered it even though people, I've been telling you to read that. I told you it was good. I'm like, I know, but I wanted to feel like I was smart and I found it. Right? I think everyone wants to feel like they discovered, like it's it, it because yeah. then it belongs to you differently. It's not like, well, that's your band, so it can't be my favorite band because it just looks like I'm copying you. But when you both like, hey, you like that and I like that, right? You found it. So that's I, great. That's what makes. I had you- someone tell me I couldn't like the Bloodhound Gang because him and his mates liked it first like them first I'm like well okay I've not really lost anything <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much thanks for not giving me your consent yeah it's like your shit first album <laughs> the bloodhound gang is that the guys who made the animal song yeah oh boy oh too bad you can't that's not your favorite band I feel like I've already missed out yeah like I don't what know. a weird thing to, to I know a part of it's youth yeah um, but still like, come on. Everybody wants to have that esoteric taste where, you know, it's just, it's, I know a little more than you. That's why you don't get it. You know, that's why I, <laughs> everyone wants that a little bit, right? It's like when people listen to really, really obscure bands and you go like, yeah, but is this, do you actually like this? Or are you doing it on purpose so that you can go, I like sheep on drugs. They're awesome. Like, no, you don't. You don't. No one likes sheep on drugs. Yeah. I, I'm I'm guilty of being that guy. It's like, who's your fan? You know a lot about this. Who do you think? You, I'm like, it's going to be the most basic, boring answer. The one you, you know, I don't care. There's nothing wrong with it. Like what you like. Yeah. You know? I, I think that's the most important thing you can do is just find what you like and fucking love the shit out of it. Yeah, pretty much. And, and well, they're you, talking about, Sorry, go on. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. I was purely going to say, in terms of that discovery topic... Um, 
one thing that I discovered, me, no one else, um, <laughs> was the um, Echo Lands. Yeah. I'll cover that. Um, yeah. I d- oh. I can't wait to that read that. That was a good discovery. I can't wait to read that. It's so good. Like, it's not just a beautiful book. It's it's a, it's a great story. I love the way they play with comics. It's it's basically a tribute to comics, really. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, and it's the kind of thing they can't make into a film or a TV series. Because if great. they did, it would have to be a tribute to films and TV series. Right. I mean, they you did know? it with Ready Player One. They did, but wasn't that a reference to... Computer games. Oh, it was, but it but the, video games. But it was. Um, have you have you seen the movie? No, it's not my sort of thing. Okay, well, it's kind of like an homage to uh, nostalgia in general. So in the book, the book was a lot of fun, but it was finding Easter eggs within the video game or the metaverse in in our parlance today. The 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 the. Person who created it left Easter eggs, and when you go on the hunt and you find it and you unlock stuff and you pass whatever gate you got to go through, you'll gain ownership of the company, which is like basically owning Facebook. So it's kind of like a high tech Willy Wonka. Exactly, it's a Willy Wonka meets the Matrix. Okay. So it's kind of cool like that. Willy Matrix. Willy Matrix. Who's going to Willy's? Sorry, somehow. <laughs> so are they called Willys in Canada? Yeah, we sometimes call Johnson. them Willys or Johnsons. <laughs> Johnson, yeah, we don't Johnson. have that here. You don't have a Johnson? Just knobs. Knobs. I Twinkles. like the term Balland. Balland is good. It makes, it makes me laugh. Every time I'm like, that's so great. That's what it is. It's a Balland. <laughs> I'm going to call an apprentice that at work. You Balland. It's a really good insult. Yeah, I like Balland. Because you can really, like Rowan Atkins in it. Bellend. <laughs> uh, I forgot what we were talking about before. Uh, Echo Lands and, and Ready yes. Player One. Oh, right, 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 right. So in Ready Player One, they ha- it, in the book, they have like a lot of references to movies where the passing the level is him having to relive the movie piece by piece. So they manage the way in the movie to incorporate a lot of outside references stuff from video games stuff from movies they have like a whole scene from the shine not the shine is it the shining i think it's the shining really yeah like they they king kong shows up iron giant um i forgot that other famous i think it's like a japanese uh, astro boy no no it's um not a kaiju the jaggers like a like famous one can't, it's not coming to me. Not met. Not Metron. Not Godzilla. Not Godzilla. Something that fights them. I forget. It's not oh, gonna come oh to Ultraman. Not Ultraman. It's okay. Oh. I'm gonna upset everybody because someone's gonna yell at it. <laughs> like yes, that's that thing. Anyways, <laughs> it's a robot. It's some type of a robot that you piece together. I forget. Gundam wing. That's it. Gundam something like that. That's right. it exactly. Thank you. So that shows up in the movie. Anyways. Wow. It's, so it's kind of cool. So with something like Echoland, going to what you're saying, maybe, maybe they could pull it off if the right person with the connections can put all that shit together. The thing is, it's the story, because of the medium it's in, it needs to be that. 
it needs to refer to that medium. So if it became, I think if it was made into a film, it would need to be a reference to films. Right. Got it. Yeah. Well, I, I, I like that. What other books do you think are like that? Where I thought Saga was like that, but apparently they're making Saga into a TV series now. But they're saying that, though. They made Paper Girls, and it got cancelled after a series. They made Why the Last Man, it got cancelled after a series. Um, I don't know if Saga would last. Plus, it's, some of it is pure filth, so they'd have to tone it right down for TV, I think. Because even, even by Game of Thrones standards, some of it is quite... Uh, it's porn. Yeah? Yeah. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know. If they, I mean, they're going to they're gonna do it, apparently, but I just don't know if it would work. I guess in theory anything could, but I, I have a thing, though, where I kind of like stuff that, I know that even if they made it into a film, like they did with Hellboy, a lot of the appeal of Hellboy is that artwork. Yeah. So the only way you could kind of emulate that is if you animate it. So making it live action doesn't. It's never really going to look like Hellboy. No, no. I and I and I didn't have the. When I watched the Hellboy movies. I didn't have the baggage going into it of like uh, being very connected to the comic. But I did have a respect for it, and I felt that I have nothing to compare it to. It'd be like they knocked it out of the park. But I did see like Guillermo del Toro wanted to make a, a movie that had an artistic feel to it as much as about this character, almost like Tim Burton with Batman. So I watched it in that sort of frame. Like this is his translation of it. Yeah. And if you watch it like that, it's fine. It's okay. I didn't mind it. Um, but I'd rather read the comics. That's me for everything though. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Apart from uh, the boys, but yeah. Although I've never, have you ever read the crow? No. But I did. Have you ever seen The Crow? Of course, because funny enough, I, um, me and Martin Slam Duncan interviewed the creator at a Hamilton oh, Comic Con. Yeah, we spoke. Is it James to James O'Barr? No, no, I forget. Shame tell you what, me. you tell me. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, we we actually spoke to him for a lengthy period of time talking about The Crow. It was actually quite cool, but I have never read it. No, likewise, I've, I've never read it. James, yeah, James O'Barr. James O'Barr, yeah. I don't think I posted um, that episode, but it is on um, uh, the Fastball special, if you want to hear it. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I'd be interested, actually, because I, I, mean, I remember watching an interview with him on the DVD mm-hmm. um, about how he came up with a character, and it's like it's a heartbreaking Very heartbreaking. Story. Yeah, he talks about that story, yeah. Um, yeah, it was... A, yeah, it was tense, and, and like... I think it had been quite a few years since, even when they recorded that. But, you know, it's, yeah, it's interesting whether he kind of dealt with with his situation. What's funny is that The Crow is kind of like, it's not published anywhere and it doesn't have anything like ongoing, but it's got this cult status to a point that, I know you wouldn't know this reference, but in the 1990s, just around the time that the Crow movie was being made, there was a wrestler who basically... Yeah. Sting. Have you seen Sting? Is that what he's called? Sting? Yeah, I'd seen him. I, I remember seeing him and going, hang on, aren't you basically trying to be the Crow? Yeah, that they did completely. It wasn't even like... A, it wasn't... If 
there was nothing else that you could say about it. The whole makeup, everything about how he he, he had a um, trench coat. He didn't speak. Did he? Yeah. He, he didn't speak. He was a character who was like a surfer dude for the longest time. Had like the Bart Simpson haircut, blonde hair, muscle really? down. Yeah, it was just what they call a baby face, like a perennial good guy, right? And then it's around the time where Hulk Hogan becomes a villain. And he joins forces with these guys from another – the storyline was these guys were from another promotion trying to do a hostile takeover and they called it the NWO. Okay. And it was the hottest thing in the 1990s wrestling. Like it, it was culturally shifting. Like the zeitgeist, you felt it, right? So when Hulk Hogan turns bad, this guy becomes like a recluse and he only sits in the rafters for like a year sorry they cry it was totally the crow they even say he's like that's the crow sting like they would refer to like they would say he's like the crow (laughs) and he didn't speak he just went all black and dark and very mysterious and he became the most popular wrestler of that year his his name status grew so much that when he showed up it was a spectacle it was almost like he got a superpower by it because he, he you know, changed his makeup. He sat in yeah. the rafters. He no longer spoke. His hair grew out. It became dark, his natural hair color. And he just had, he never smiled anymore. And he walked around with a baseball bat and he would just point to people with a baseball bat. <laughs> and he would get lowered from the rafters. Like he would come down on like these wires, get oh, lowered. Okay. Into, oh. Yeah. They made it very dramatic. And it was all based on the crow. No way. And you would think like... I assumed it was, but like, I was thinking like, doesn't that, is there a copyright thing? That's the thing. They, they got enough money, right? <laughs> they don't need to worry yeah, about it. Yeah, they definitely got enough money because it was um, Ted Turner, the guy who launched CNN, who owned the, the wrestling promotion. So he probably just paid, I don't know, I wonder if he paid James O'Barr for that. Just say, hey, I just let us use it and shut up. Or at least asked him, or who knows. But it could be a good promotion though. You could argue. You could argue, yeah. You could, and you—that's what—that's my point. Is that I'm surprised it is has it doesn't have a, a more like someone doesn't care enough. Like, let's do something with the crow. The crow could be awesome today. Yeah, I think it's been it's jumped around to a bunch of different publishers. I think, okay. but I don't remember the last time. I don't know if there's like a chunky collection or if anyone's even trying to get a chunky collection of it or anything. You know. I don't know if it's kind of just drifted away. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, and I, and I, when we spoke to him, he was saying that they were casting a movie, and that uh, Jason Momoa was really hell bent on playing the character. Like, he had an yeah. That's what, if memory serves, I'd have to go back and listen to that episode. But I remember him saying like, Jason Momoa really wants to play this thing. Like, he's all in on it. We're like, whoa, that's that's a good look. Yeah. Right? And I like nothing or nothing. I, we should look it up. We do have the internet. We do. The internet. Like, we can both sit here in silence. Yeah. Right? Like, gee, I wonder where we could find out whether or not they're making another Crow movie. Actually, I wonder if it's better to IMDb it. Um, <clears throat> weirdly, see, that's the thing. It's one of those rare things that I've only seen as a, as a adaptation and never as a comic. There's very few things, I think, where that's the case. I can't think of another one off the top of my head. For me, it's Hellboy. 
cool. Did you did you get that set? I, can't, mm. I think I keep asking you this. No, I never got the set because oh. I own them digitally. Oh, that's it. That's and, it. And I what I I do like is the the box set, like the thing that it comes in. But the actual omnibus, them they're just like trade paperbacks, which is nice right. that you get the whole thing. But it's more the the what it's held in that is like that looks like a nice thing to own. But the books inside are just the regular trade on. It's hardcovers. Yeah, yeah. Inside. They made a film this year. They did. Yeah, it's out by the looks of it. And who plays? Yeah, look, I, I'm reading it on uh, on. I don't know Wikipedia if, is it here. Justin Maine. Like it's there's no one particularly famous in it. Okay, so that I can that I recognize. I'm not crazy. Um, on August 10th, 2016, Jason Momoa posted a photo of himself with Hardy on his Instagram account. Uh, reports that Momoa's cast and filming will begin in January 2017. Hollywood reporters reported that Highland Film Group and Electric Shadow have acquired the rights to finance, produce uh, from relative, but may lose both Momoa and Hardy. So they were, so Corin Hardy was the director and Jason Momoa was going to play the crow. And then they, they didn't get them. Damn. Yeah. I wonder what it would have been like. Uh, This looks very different. This 2022 one. Oh, okay. It, it, is it based on James O'Barr? Yeah. Hmm. Apparently. Look, I, I mean, this one, from a podcasting perspective, it won't work, but it's like his makeup's not the same. It's almost skull-like. Yeah. But it is, it, it does look like something. And it says we're all victims. We're victims. Aren't we all? Or whatever it was. Can't remember what the line is. Should, <laughs> it's been a long time since I've watched it. Should we do a um, uh, a watch through? A watch through of the crow. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. You want to? Yeah, we should do that. And we could do like a, and and then maybe I don't know if we can find the comic. That'd be cool. Yeah, we to should. Do, yeah, do we should the, do both. To do the movie and then a thing on the comic. Yeah. Or should we do it the other way around? Whichever we can find first. I mean, sure we, we can. can first. Fair enough. That's cool. And and we can record it whichever order we want. Yeah. Right? It'd just be interesting, I think, to compare to compare the comic to the film because I've, I've literally never never read it. I've never. I only I know the wrestler more <laughs> playing that role, and and like I clearly when I see it, I'm like, hey, that. Oh no, that's not the wrestler. That's the movie poster. Because that's how close it was, but it, it had such a cultural uh, impact in a weird way. Im- Image wise, would you not be scared to play him if you were? Anybody? Because wasn't it kind of seen as cursed? A little bit, yeah. Because uh, Brandon Lee, right? He died playing that. Yeah, he did. Do you think that adds to the cult status of it? Yeah, completely. Yeah. Because it is such a tragic origin. It's terrible. Well, it's, it's almost ironic as well, considering the subject matter. Yeah, that's true. All right. It's, it's weird. Yeah, but yeah, we should definitely do that. Nice thinking. There you go. That's what happens when you go on tangents. We, we started at Echo Lands, and then we talked about The Crow. Yeah. Cool. Um, are you a J.H. Williams fan? Um, I don't feel I know enough 
to say the way. That's what I, mean, I that's what I mean. I didn't need to put that, you on the spot. Like, do you like the guy? Because clearly you're a fan of Echo Land, so you recognize. But I, I, I bought it because of him. Okay. So I, like I, I I like his I recognize that I like his art enough to have done that. Plus, right. I, well, it's partly that, and partly that I love landscape books. <laughs> that's the thing, you know? right? It, it's one of those. It, when I came in, I gave it to my wife. I said, "Open it, like." cut it cut cut the thing the wrapping around it and like take a look at that like that in itself is a work of art in the way that it's presented because they they meant to tell a story a certain way and you're meant to experience it looking at your eyes shifting at, yes at, you know and and that's really cool it makes me excited to read that. and she just kept flipping through it like this is this is beautiful just to look at the yeah, it pages. is beautiful to look at, isn't it? Yeah. Even it's like a coffee table book. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's something that people go like, what's that? Like, whoa. Because um, I've read, let's see, I mean, I, I read Chase not that long ago, actually, which I think he did some of at least for DC. Um, and bits of Batwoman. But I, off the top of my head, I can't really think. I mean, I'm looking at the list now, but I can't really think. I don't think I think I've wanted to read stuff these but like I tried to read Promethea but um it was I just don't I can't get on with Alan Moore on certain books. There's only like two titles he's ever written that I'd liked. Which ones were those? Um Captain Britain and mm, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, although I, I have pre ordered those compendiums for top ten and uh uh Tom Strong. Because I'm still hopeful. But I'll like them. Yeah, there's a lot of hype around them. But I tried Promethea, and it was just like this feels really pretentious. It's not not in a kind of an interesting ideas way. It just feels pretentious. Well, what always made like I, people have said you got to read it. You got to read it. And the premise of it sounds like something I would love because it's like yeah, well, it, it's like the Sandman on. version. What Sandman like the Morpheus is to dreams. This character would be to imagination. Oh, okay. And I'm like, that's right up my alley. But I've also been told from people who love it, it's like, what's really cool about it is that he actually puts like an explanation on how to practice magic and there's like spells in it. And it's like, you should check it out. I'm like, that's okay. I, I don't know if I want Alan Moore's magic, the snake worshiper, whatever he says he is. Like, Glycon, I think it is, isn't it? He worships. Snake god with hair. What's it called? Glycon. Yeah, like... I think. No, thanks. No? No, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I don't know, though. Because, like, yeah, I read The Invisibles and it inspired me to try it. That's crazy. And how was that? Um, It was good. It's difficult because, like, to, talk, to try and describe it is kind of a bit awkward so it's but, but the thing is you say like oh I tried this thing to see if it works it's magic and then we're like what black magic and you're like no why is it automatically evil is that like that programming that we've got from people going like oh druids oh. for sure for sure <laughs> you know yeah um, well, Harry Potter is only in the movie there are some places there are some shops here that won't sell Harry Potter toys because um, they think it's evil yeah no hey I know a lot of people who feel that way yeah. Um, I used to be one of them. 
Yeah? Yeah, I wouldn't have watched Harry Potter, no. No chance. I guess you're better off. I, I don't want to watch it because it's balls. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good balance. He's got a very punchable face. Let's face it. I, I struggle with this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he does. He's a kid. You can't punch him. Yeah. They put them through hell. Oh, yeah. I think you can tell me off for saying shit like that. <laughs> yeah, they did. I saw the uh, the recent 20-year anniversary, like, all the cast, and they still have punchable faces. Is that okay to say? <laughs> They're old in hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I used to refer to um, a ginger ball bag as, as a... <laughs> as a what? A miserable-looking ginger ball bag. A miserable-looking <laughs> ginger scrote is a grint after Rupert grint because he just that constant frown, like the way testicles hang. <laughs> Holy! I'll never be able to look at that guy the same. Like that's a I'm good. I'm sure he's lovely. Um, uh, <laughs> do your kids like it? Um, my wife likes it, and so she's getting them to watch it, and they do like it. And I have no problem with that. They can watch what they like for the most part. But, you know, within reason. But Daddy uh, doesn't like Harry Potter. <laughs> Was that your English, yeah, my English accent. accent? Yeah, That's the first time I've heard you um, <laughs> do an do invitation. That. Say something else. Say something else. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm actually, a lot of my friends at work, and my wife has always said that I'm pretty good at impressions, but I've never done them on the podcast. Why not? Do one now. Who, who can you do? Um, on the spot, on top of my head, I can't think of one, but it's usually I, I do them of like people that we know or people that I work with. So I'll, oh, I see. So I'll like impersonate. They're like, that's a really good impersonation of that guy. Like we know exactly who you're talking about. Uh, if I, I guess like anybody, if you watch something enough and practice it enough, the, the thing is to get good at an impression, you must know this because you're pretty good at them. You kind of got to do it alone and feel a little nuts for a little bit while you're kind of practicing it. I, I did the I, tr- I did an impression of the brain from Pinky and the Brain for about forty five minutes on my own at lunch break. <laughs> I work lunch break. I spent the whole time like just going same 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 no same no same thing we do every night. Pinky try to take over the world. I don't know if that was any good or not. Um, but but exactly, where I you, could do it. You practice it so. I used to practice like um, when I was in high school, like the wrestling interviews when they would like do a promo. They call it so they would like yeah. trash talk the other character, and you'd go to school the next day, and everyone would be like, "Did you see what he said to the guy?" And I would like do the whole thing over again, and they would all get a good laugh out do of it. Do you remember it all? I would practice it. Yeah, I would. I would try to because they Dying. you knew that it was like a good little parlor trick, right? Yeah. If that's right. Some people like it. So you want to like, yeah, you know, McGee gave people a good, and then sometimes people with strangers in the school, not strangers, but other kids I didn't know, they'd be like, this is the guy. He does it. <laughs> do it. Do it to him. <laughs> I lost, I lost it though. I don't know if it was like the voice change through the, through high school. Like it got to a the point where like, pitch. I, I can't Did do it anymore. Drop? Maybe. But there was a time where I could hit the, the, it almost in my head at least sounded like the right, rock or Dwayne Johnson register when he's doing the rock like I had all the mannerisms but can you smell that whole thing yeah because he would he would have his little catchphrases but then every week he would do something new 
like another oh. crack depending on who the character was. And what yeah. was impressive about it was like, you know, most of us are like, ah, that's not that guy's not even a real athlete or he's not a real actor. But these guys are doing a live performance every week. And they never really flub up on the mic. No? Not really. I assume that it has to be edited. No, it's not, because it's live TV. They would go live, tell, like Saturday Night Live. Oh they, they, when they got really, really competitive, they were like, anything can happen. This is live. And sometimes there was stuff that would be like, can they do that on TV? And they're like, they couldn't stop us. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird thing when you think about it. Like yeah. people beating the actual crap out of each other and dropping them on tax or whatever. There was times what? where they would put old women through tables. Old women. <laughs> what? Yep. It was wild in the late 90s, that Jerry Springer era of television. Every, everybody was trying to shock everybody. It was fun. It was a good time. <laughs> it, it was. It was. It, I know people don't like to hear it. It was, it was better. <laughs> it was smut and it was crap, but like, man, you had Jerry Springer. Kids were going to school in grade eight. They're like, did you see Jerry Springer last night? Did you see the guy came out? He was a hermaphrodite. Like they said stuff like that. We were great. We were 14 years old. And then, but did you watch wrestling? Yeah. Did you see that he threw the man through the table? The old man? Like that's, and nobody was doing that to anybody. You know, like nobody was meaner. Maybe we were, maybe we were assholes. I think we probably were. Yeah. Like you think today, like I, Oh, I can't let my kids watch this. So I can't let... In, in 1999, 2000, we were in grade 8, grade 9, 14, 15 years old. And I don't know if... It, it's got a big presence in the UK. I know it does. But the, the, there was like D-Generation X. They would point to their crotch all the time with an X. And like that mm. was just... What were they wrestler people? They were wrestlers as well. They were like their own little gang, right? But their thing okay. was like pointing at their, their private and telling people like their catchphrase was suck it that became oh, right. that became just a regular phrase when we were in high school and teachers were like that's enough with the suck it <laughs> <laughs> but now imagine imagine now imagine oh my god the thing god. is that you don't have to say to your kids that you can't watch that because Netflix have already taken the episodes off <laughs> yeah 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 but yeah what it, it was it was crazy when you look back like man what kind of television we had we used to have this program here called The Word, and on there there'd be this this skit on it where it would go like, "I'll do anything to be on TV," mm. and each each every Friday night, so those of us that weren't quite ready to go out yet, so I probably would have been like fifteen, sixteen, watching this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be like someone does something disgusting, so someone will throw up in a pint glass, and then uh. someone else has to drink it, and uh. or they'd lick the um, dandruff off someone's uh. shoulder and. Um, what was that? Putting someone else's false teeth in their mouth, and we had some. We had a game like, we used show to watch here. That and go, this is great, Teddy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We had we had a game show here uh, in North America. It was Fear Factor, right? I think I've heard of that. Yeah, that was that was what uh, Joe Rogan became famous from. Really, was being the host of Fear Factor, which was a reality show oh. where it would be stuff like that, but it was more you know, drinking something gross or putting your hand in like a thing of snakes and keeping it there for three minutes and there's like a cobra, that sort of shit, right? Yeah. And some of it could get really physical or really, there was one where I think they, 
that they he, where he thought like they went too far was I think they had to drink donkey semen. They still on jackass. Yeah, like that sort of stuff. But that yeah. was again those early two thousands. Everyone was like what? Eminem. Eminem was was the same like that shock value. Yeah. Guess it was. Yeah. Marilyn Manson. But Same you know period. what? There was a lot uh-huh. of protest against that. There was a lot of people who were up in arms for that stuff. But I think it only made it more popular. It does. You try and ban something, it makes it way more interesting. And funny enough, I think that was also around the time that they unbanned certain things. Because, like, um, I don't know if it was the same way where you are, but um, The Life of Brian was banned for a long time. You know, yes. the, the Monty Python film. Yes. And they, were t- they did a, se- a season of banned films on Channel 4. Because they just decided, like, actually, what are we doing? We're just getting upset about nothing. Let's just release all these films. Yeah. So, like, watch a lot of bad films. You watch them. A lot of them were just, like, someone's knobs in it or something. You're like, oh, okay. Um, and Life of Brian, you're like, so they banned this? Okay. And then, for the most part, now it's no one's really worried here. But at that point in time, I remember they, I don't remember because I was probably two when it came out. Um, but they had John Cleese and... Oh, I think it was Eric Idle went on to a chat show and, and interviewed. They were interviewed by this guy, and they were just and a, and a priest. And they were talking to him and coming back with their responses, and it was just really interesting to see. Whereas now, I think they probably I don't know if that would if someone made something similar now how it would go down. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I don't know. I've never seen Life of Brian, but it's the one where it's like a spoof of Jesus' life, right? In theory, it's kind of his life is happening at the same time. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So, so it's almost yeah. like a Ben-Hur. I've never seen Ben-Hur. Oh, no? So what happens in Ben-Hur? Ben, yeah, he's, he's, uh, the character's name is Judah Ben-Hur. And he's, um, he's returned back home, but it's occupied by Rome now. And, he vis- and, and a friend of his is now an army officer, like general, who's come back to the town. They were childhood friends, yeah, and now they they eventually become enemies, right? But he's, okay. his life is taking place at the same time as Jesus. Oh, I, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Okay, excuse me, just taking a drink of water. He gets sold into slavery, and it's like it's almost like a Count of Monte Cristo story, in a way. Pardon? I don't know if I've seen a film with that or not. Count of Monte Cristo? I've never read it. Yeah. Uh, how about Shawshank Redemption? Yes. It's that same thing. Count of Monte Cristo, I okay. think, is like the... I think in the movie, Shawshank Redemption, he actually says to him, you should read Count of Monte Cristo. It's a great book. And Oh! That's where he gets the I idea. I seen it. I saw the one with Guy Pearce in it, I think. Yes. Yes, that's it. That's it. But my memory's really vague. I think I think that was a period of time when I I think I'd watched a lot of films while hammered. <laughs> so they're a bit vague. <laughs> I've seen them. I guess I can't you. remember any of it. I feel like that about comics. I've I've read so much so fast in these last couple of years. Like I, I look at my list just of this year. And novels are included in, in the list, but it's like, okay, some of these are short. But then, you know, 12 volumes of Omnibus. And you think, like, yeah, that, that's, that's five years worth each time, almost, of, of comics, right? And I think to myself, 
I don't remember that story. I don't. I know I read it, but why don't I remember it? And then when I see maybe a reference, I'm like, oh yeah, I've read that. I know that. Or if it's in the movies, I'll be like, oh yeah, that's from this thing. If I remember, then the memory comes back. But off the top of my head, yeah. like I just read JSA Volume One for, and I've read that series the first the whole book. Uh, I just have I just have the last eight issues, the All Stars one to eight. I never read that, but okay. all the other stuff in it, Virtue and Vice, the first twenty five issues, I've already read that before, and I I already can't remember like who are the villains. I know there was a whole Black Adam series, there was a Return of Hawkman series. Like I rem- it comes back in chunks, but I'm already like I know I liked it. I know it's a keeper. Does that happen to you? It happens a lot. I don't know if part of it's age and the stuff I did to my brain and body <laughs> in my youth. Um, but I mean, I actually read War of Kings a little while ago to to, to do the reading order mm-hmm. uh, on the Marvel Comics Guide page just like months ago. And I read the whole story and I went, right, now I'm going to like sit down and give the overview of each issue and I, I went, I thought to myself, like, I remember the last six. And there's like, <laughs> how many, how many tie-ins in that story? Right. So I've kind of got to reread it because I can't remember it already. So I've got a whole new method. As an aside, I've got a whole new method of doing it because my memory is getting so bad. But that was why I started it in the first place because I was stopping. I couldn't, I couldn't remember what I'd read and what I hadn't. And I started doing the reviews because I couldn't remember what I had, what I'd read and what I hadn't. It wasn't for anyone else. It was just for me. I think I was, I, the first time we ever spoke, I was like, I'm going to ask you that question next time. And I've never asked you. What? Because you had told me that you had lost your memory for a bit. Like something happened where you, had, and uh. you never, you never told me. And I said, next time you come on, you're going to tell me. He's like, okay, I'll tell you then. And I still <laughs> don't know that story after all the hours of talking. I think I like that. Uh, next I like, time. I like that mystery. No, I like the mystery of it. I don't I don't know if I want to know. It's like uh, Wolverine's the origin. After. We'll do it the time after that. Yeah, it's like Wolverine's origin. It's better you don't tell it. Keep yeah. it a mystery. I like it. Yeah. Let's, let, let's end it there on a mysterious okay. note. Thank you, sir. Ooh. Another comic speakeasy. Um, top 10 next? Or should we do... Oh, uh, yeah, we could do the top 10. We'll, we'll have a chat about what we want to do. All right. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be back soon.